Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. We are offering three separate conversations from Wednesday night's episode, Novel Approaches to Drug-Free Treatment in Early Fatty Liver Disease. This podcast is sponsored by Echosense to support Liver Healthy, a fully integrated program designed to optimize lifestyle modification efficacy in obesity and NASH patients. This conversation centers around the role of identity in habit modification. With Global Liver Institute President and CEO Donna Cryer and I discussing why this is such an important issue, and Stephen Harrison and Louise Campbell discussing methods they use to coach patients. These are important questions and powerful approaches, particularly in the period before we have in-market NASH drugs that are as good as our diagnostics. Sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. Every week, a global community of fatty liver disease stakeholders comes together to explore the most important challenges in diagnosing, treating, and developing medications for patients with fatty liver diseases. Join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Dr. Stephen Harrison, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and this week's guest, Global Liver Institute President and CEO Donna Cryer, as they discuss how to help patients become healthier and why different approaches succeed or fail on the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. So when I think about those kinds of questions, I go back to books I've read, and one I like tremendously is Atomic Habits by James Clear, in which he talks about ways to profoundly change the habits that affect how you live day to day. Now, he goes all the way down to tactics that work, but I want to talk about his first question, which is an issue of what are you trying to do when you change the habit? He says, basically, there are two ways to think about this. You could think about a habit as being outcome-based or identity-based. So in the context of dieting, um, you might want to lose 50 pounds. You might have an outcome to lose 50 pounds, or you might have an identity. And that identity might be to be a healthier person, to do a better job for your grandkids, whatever. But losing the weight becomes a way to do that. And then you have a process to get you there. So it's in the process that the goal of the exercise starts to come out. For example, the comedian Jackie Gleason once said that he was the world champion all-time weight loser because of the course of his life, he'd lost a thousand pounds, by which he meant the same 50 pounds 20 times. If your identity is to be a champion weight loser, then you're going to take an outcome-based approach and the one that gets you the 50 pounds down as quickly as possible, say a starvation diet. When I had to lose 50 pounds, my goal was to lead a healthier lifestyle. Specifically, it was to be able to ski with my kids, but that was just the example that ultimately became about the whole lifestyle. And if that's what you're trying to do, then a starvation diet doesn't make a lot of sense because it's not a healthy way to live, number one. Number two, the day after you've lost the 50 pounds, the objective you used in pursuing it matters tremendously. If the outcome was to lose 50 pounds and you lose the 50 pounds, then to be the world champion weight loser, you have to gain the 50 back again so you can lose the 50 again. Now that's extreme, but that's a point. If the goal is to live a healthy life, then you ask yourself how to manage your consumption of food, alcohol, and exercise and all that to do so. Trust me, it's a lot more exciting to watch your weight go down two pounds a week than to watch it stay stable. So you need actually to view stability as part of a bigger picture to make that an exciting and rewarding thing to do. Fundamentally, what these two approaches mean 
is that you can take an outcome-based approach, decide what you want to do, develop a plan to do it. Once you get there, ask yourself, what do you want to do next? Maybe you don't know, or maybe you don't know how to do it. Or there's an identity-based approach, which is decide who you want to be, prove it with a series of small wins that support the life you want to live, and keep becoming that person and make the wins bigger over time. With that, and the limitations of the role of a doctor, for example, it might be easier for the doctor to do the second, but for it to work, the doctor has to figure, or be outcome-based. But for it to work, the doctor also, I think, needs to be identity-based. And with that, before we listen to our colleagues, our friends from Liver Healthy describe their program, I want to go back to the identity issue on I want to ask, so what about that makes sense? And what about that seems off base in the context of what we're talking about today? Brave one, go first. From a clinical perspective, I think it makes complete sense. Most of the time when patients walk into my clinic with a diagnosis of NASH, they are mid-50s, late 40s, you know, to mid-60s, somewhere mean, some average of around 50, 55, something like that. And after we get through the diagnosis and we start talking prognosis and then we start talking treatment, one of the first conversations is on lifestyle modification and foundationally changing the way they've been doing things. And I look at them and I say, look, I let you do it your way for 55 years. And this is where we are today. Now I need you to do it the colonel's way. And I'm going to walk through what that looks like, but I need you to be all in. I need you to change who you are, change the way you think about things, the way you think about food, the way you think about exercise, the way you think about your typical daily routine. It all now needs to change with a focus on your metabolic health. And, and so, yeah, I think that that first observation is spot on. And as we get through this, we can talk about the value of positive reinforcement and feedback that allows patients to continue to focus on that changed identity, which I think is really critical to success in losing weight, maintaining weight. So I'd like to add, I'd like to reinforce the issue of identity. The words I am are two very powerful words. I am a healthy person. I am a fit person. I am a person who chooses lean proteins. You know, how you see yourself and set yourself up to be even. I am deserving of a healthy life. I am a person who moves. All of those aspects of creating a sense of identity are are very important. And I'd like to add to that the concept of why. Why are you doing this? Why is losing weight or changing your behaviors important now? It could be because I want to be a good patient for, you know, for Colonel, Colonel Harrison. That may be sufficient why. It could be that I want to live a long life for my family. It could be that I want to be more productive at work. But I think identifying the why for people is so important to helping them hold on to and sustain behaviors when times get hard or when it it seems so easy to do something different or to fall back into old habits or or you know or choose choose something that hasn't served you well in the past holding on to that why as you reset your your identity i think is an important element of that. The, the third thing I might want to say as we provide some context for thinking about this weight loss in the context of, of NAFLD and NASH particularly, and what it would take for something to stick, for somebody to be successful. You know, I'm very mindful that this is Obesity Care Week, and at least as we're 
talking about this and initially putting this episode to together. And so much of this work in the obesity space to support people is to take away the bias and stigma, but to replace it with the evidence both of why people would want to make these changes because they see a visualization of the damage to their liver or their changes in their blood sugar levels and moving it to the the metrics of why for your health is a very important part to take this out of the stigmatization or this is about vanity or about moving people to somebody else's idealization of of perfection or, or what healthy should look like and moving it into really concrete issues of of health and and evidence and the other part of this that we'll talk through that are so essential that we're advocating for and, and discussing with policymakers this week is to make sure that all of the tools that we know help people be successful, whether that's behavioral supports or access to a dietitian or weight loss medications or gastric surgeries, whatever it is for that individual that needs to be successful, it recognizing that it's so much more than just telling somebody to lose weight, that there are structures and tools and therapies that are available that have been too infrequently applied and provided to people to support them as they choose this direction. So I'm really excited about this conversation and and think that there is so much more that we can be putting together that we're able to put together for for people that we have in the past. So Louise, we go back one week and you were talking about feedback and the different kinds of feedback that you found people need in order to be able to maintain. Do you want to comment on that a little bit in addition to whatever else you're thinking about saying? I think when you relate back to last week, Stephen was asking a specific question in relation to losing weight for COVID and the COVID-19 vaccine. So I think it's one of those things that whilst I agree with absolutely everything everybody said so far, we are talking about people who have already been diagnosed with NASH and NAFLD. And I think it is really important to continue the feedback that people get when they're diagnosed. But I think we've related a previous episode to we don't get to see these people enough. And I think it's really important that we start to see people more often to keep that motivation going. As Stephen says, most of the patients that are diagnosed are between 40 and 60, so mid-50s. Whilst it's not too late to change a lot of people's well-established habits, it is extremely difficult. So I do think we have to start earlier. We need to constantly reinforce the positive positive change that somebody makes earlier because they make positive change and go backwards. We need to give them the evidence. And yes, I use Fibroscan, but it's very compelling evidence and people are very competitive when they see their own scores coming down. So I'll give them feedback and the changes they make can achieve things. Sometimes it's weight loss and we do focus on weight loss a lot. We know that weight loss works, but for some individuals, it's just the quality of the diet and changing small things about their diet can make big changes. And again, by measuring those, it can change the internal liver fat that's reinforcing to patients. A couple of questions. Listening to all those data, Louise, I, I feel that the conversation before that was about how do you motivate the individual patient or how do you motivate somebody to work with their family members or their immediately closest people? I'm wondering, the data that you share are compelling and scary, but I'm wondering who those data will motivate 
and how we turn any element of that message into a force for motivation. I don't know about Stephen, but whenever I have scanned either an adult or a child for the first time to tell them they've got a lot of fat in their liver, they are actually horrified. And it is one of the most influential appointments that somebody can have. And I think what you see in these people and these individuals is what can I do about it? What can I change now? And it is really, really motivating to me as a healthcare professional to have somebody want to know that. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We are releasing two more conversations from this episode. We'll release our next episode on Wednesday, March 10th, followed by daily coverage of NASHTAG all next weekend. We have included questions about our NASHTAG coverage on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. If you want to contribute, please go there and provide answers. I hope you'll join us for coverage. I hope you'll come on the discussion groups. Until then, stay safe, stay warm. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.